Our text for tonight is the Old Testament reading from Joel chapter 2. In the name of Jesus, return. Return to the Lord your God. Return is a word you're going to be hearing a lot the next 40 days. It is the drumbeat of our Lenten worship series this year, Return. And we hear God calling out to us. Tonight, we hear Him, and we'll hear Him calling out until Easter Sunday, return to prayer, return from betrayal, return from false witness, return from denial, return to the kingdom of God, return to the table, return to truth, return to the church. And so our series could also be aptly named Return and See. Return and See What God Has Done for You. And so as we launch this series now throughout Lent, we gather together first to hear Joel's prophecy, or I should say God's prophecy given to Joel by the power of the Holy Spirit, and included in that prophecy is an invitation. Our Old Testament reading from Joel gets us oriented now to the Lenten season. It highlights, pinpoints the problem, and also lays out the solution with beauty and simplicity. God calls us, calls us simply to return to Him, and He promises to address our needs and provide for our salvation. Let's begin first with Joel by doing a little time traveling to ancient Israel where we can get some idea of the people to whom Joel was speaking and understand just a little bit more about what was going on in their world and at that time. To start with, we don't know a lot about this prophet named Joel. It's a good boy's name. I know a few Joels. Joel was a prophet likely ministering in the southern kingdom of Judah. And the book that bears his name there in the Old Testament, that's the first 39 books of your B-I-B-L-E, that book is relatively short. Only 73 verses organized into just three chapters. But even though it is short, it is rich and deep and complex. The jumping off point tonight and really the highlight for Joel is our text for tonight And do you know what it's really about? If you read the rest of Joel and see the story that the verses we have for tonight are sandwiched into, it's all about a plague, a plague of locusts that had or would strike Israel. That plague of locusts served to foreshadow the coming day of the Lord. And so Joel's message is is simple and straightforward, that there will be a day of judgment that will come. And Joel, as a prophet, and I would submit to you pastorally, he pleads with the people to return to God so that they would be found righteous on that great and awesome day. The outline of Joel's prophecy is simple. Number one, There's an invasion of locusts that will destroy all vegetation. And so Joel calls the people to fast, to refrain from food and drink, to fast at the temple, and then at the same time to offer prayer 
And Joel does just that. He offers a prayer of lament over the coming destruction. And number two, if you thought the whole plague of locusts was bad, there's something even more significant that's coming. Joel 2 verse 1, the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. Joel goes on to describe the Lord's army using the imagery of the destroying locusts. And he issues a call to return to the Lord, to fast, and to pray at God's house. And then number three, and where would we be without number three? God responds. First, God responds to the locust plague, offering healing and restoration, new life in the midst of death. Then on a much bigger scale, God responds in the day of the Lord, giving salvation to those who call on His name and passing judgment on the worldly nations who have played fast and loose with God's chosen people. You see, our reading from Joel tonight is drawn right out of the center of the book that bears His name. The imagery of the swarm of locusts has been completed. The comparison to the Lord's army and the day of the Lord has been made, and the reader is simply left wondering what can be done. It's a little bit like the scene when the rich young man approaches Jesus. Remember that one? And he asked Jesus what good deed he must do to have eternal life. Jesus counsels the young man to sell all of his possessions. Sell it all, put it up on eBay. Put it on Facebook, buy, sell, trade. Give it away. Give to the poor. Presumably to undercut the man's love of mammon, of money. The young man goes away sad. Jesus then turns to his disciples and explains how difficult it is for someone with wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples, Matthew 19, verse 25, were greatly astonished. And then they asked Jesus a question. Who then can be saved? So tonight in our text from Joel, you can almost hear Joel's audience asking the same of him. Who then can be saved from the locusts, from the day of the Lord, the judgment that is yet to come? Joel then brings good news. And it's a promise. It's simple. Joel 2.32, it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, they needed only to return. To return to the Lord their God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and He relents over disaster. They needed only to stop trusting in themselves alone and to trust in God. They needed only to realize that just as they couldn't stop the swarming locusts, they couldn't stop the plague, neither would they be able to stop Judgment Day. It will come, and all will be affected. The only solution? Return. Return to the Lord. And so are those words only for the Israelites? Might you be facing a swarm of locusts that threatens to completely destroy you? 
I would bet you are. There are small, little, unassuming things that we do each and every day or that are done to us that that do just a little bit of damage, but it adds up. It adds up to a destructive force that descends on the landscape and decimates everything good in its path. Your sins are your locusts. And while one little tiny locust doesn't seem all that terrifying, when the entire list of your deeds is considered, of all the locusts, it's breathtaking and terrifying. It's the reason many of you wear ashes on your forehead this night. It's why you heard those words spoken to you, from dust you are and to dust you shall return. Romans 6.23, if the wages of sin is death, and if, as Ezekiel says from Ezekiel 18, the soul who sin shall die, then this locust swarm of our sins is frightening indeed. And the ash on your forehead. The locust in your life can and should hit you the same way this word hit the Israelites. The day of the Lord will come. Your death will come. Immense destruction and terror of yourself. There is no way to escape it. You know all about these locusts. You brought them on yourself as well. We all have. The times you sought to improve your own standing by luring your competitors' employees to your company, that will come to light. The time you coveted your neighbor's property, the time you spoke ill of your coworker, the time you helped yourself to the office supplies at work because you figured they owed it to you, the time you cheated on a test or had someone else do your assignment, The time you ogled the shirtless guy at that construction site or thought about having a pretty little fling with that young woman in accounting. The time you lost your temper and screamed at that guy on the bike who wouldn't get out of your way and who rides a bike in the midst of a snowstorm. The time you treated your father with contempt or dismissed your mother's request to clean up your mess. The time you blew off worship because you just didn't care to hear what that boring, long-winded preacher had to say, the time when you strung together a string of curse words that would make a dock worker blush, the time when you decided that you knew better than God about, well, everything. There is the swarm of locusts. There is the dust that we are from and the dust to which we shall return. And in the midst of that, the destruction of all the vegetation from the story of Joel here is the least of your worries. Eternal death and damnation should absolutely terrify you. But here comes the promise. Good news. Joel 2.32, it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So return, would you? Call upon Him in faith. Return to the Lord your God. For He is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in steadfast love. He relents over disaster for you. You see, in spite of your sinful rejection of God, 
He invites you again and again with his arms open wide to welcome home his prodigal children. He invites you to return to him. And he promises not to damn you, but to bless you, to forgive you. That's why the ashes upon your forehead, in the midst of all that death and damnation, are made in the sign of a cross. Because you have been redeemed by Christ the crucified. So stop trusting yourself. Stop looking inward, trying to make and find your best life now. Instead, look to Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith. Look to Christ who who bears the swarm of locusts upon his shoulders. They eat away at him, destroying him there upon the cross as he receives the condemnation that you and that I deserve. In Christ, God is gracious and merciful to you, slow to anger with you, overflowing with unfaltering love for you. God gives, and He gives, and He gives. He gives salvation. He justifies you, His sinners, for Jesus' sake. And know this, that you can't stop the swarming locusts. You can't stop Judgment Day. It'll come, and all will be affected. The solution The only solution is faith. Return to the Lord, humbly repentant, graciously receiving of the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation that He freely provides you. Over the coming weeks, each Wednesday night from here on, we will explore a little more deeply how God's call to return plays out in our lives. We'll do so by hearing the passion narrative following the steps of Jesus, His disciples, and those who accompanied Him in His final days of His earthly life. And we will hear again and again the call to return as it echoes in their ears and in ours as well. And maybe we'll come to understand it the way they did. For example, next Wednesday we'll spend some time with Peter, James, and John as they accompany Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. As he prays, sweat falling from his head like great drops of blood. Our theme then next Wednesday is return to prayer. Similar themes will follow each week of Lent. And I invite you to return, to return to the Lord for each of our subsequent services as we follow Joel's call to gather the people, to consecrate the congregation, to assemble the elders, to gather the children, even the nursing infants. And so we'll do just that, shall we? We'll come together. We'll listen to God's call. And we will return to Him in faith. For He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. In the name of Jesus.